What's up, everyone? This is another episode of the Triple Opposite Report podcast. And, you know, my podcast, you know what it's about. It's about sports, uh, comic books, uh, pop culture. Today's episode is going to be very sports heavy. It's a recap of what's happened over the weekend. So I wanted to start out with the most serious topic, uh, Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern. So, yeah, we know that apparently that there were scandals that were happening involving Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern football. That led to him initially being suspended for two months. But now with more information coming out, it looks a lot more serious than just two months of a suspension would be warranted for. For those who don't know, that there were allegations of hazing, which led to uh, Pat Fischel being suspended initially for two months. But with more information coming out and more details into what that hazing was, it's practically sexual assault. In sexual harassment. I mean, the stories of uh, people being forced to get rubbed against other men in the nude, football players in the nude. It's, it's weird, inappropriate things happening in the shower, in the locker room. It's, it's weird stuff. And apparently, it involved a coach too. It is not just like one anonymous player now. Now it's multiple anonymous anonymous players that have talked about it, who stated it, and then now they even shown like some physical evidence, like a, a whiteboard that they would write down, like specifically what types of hazing they would do that day. But then now there are players on our team currently who are denying this and fighting back, I guess. not. Well, yeah. But uh, at the same time, now something else has come up. Apparently, three more four players have just come up like recently today and in and, and, have uh, stated that there was a culture of enabling racism within the, the football program. And then, like, if I were to go into detail, like, we're, they're saying uh, players were said that they couldn't, they had to cut their dreadlocks, and specifically, like, non-white players were told they had to cut uh, their hair shorter, but they allowed white players to keep the hair long. It was a lot of weird stuff. Uh, stuff that were described as the wildcat way by Pat Fitzgerald. And it, it, there's a, there's, yeah, there's an article that just came out in the Daily Northwestern. First off, shout out to the, the, the collegiate journalists there at Northwestern. Those kids have absolutely killed it. They're the reason why this information has come out, for the most part. So, like, if anyone's to, to get the most praise, it's them. And so, shout out to the Daily Northwestern and just overall what they're doing at that school. So, but yeah, like with the football team, with the football players, uh, yeah, that that this looks bad, cause after like all of it's bad, like racism is, but like there's more stuff coming out now. You can't really deny it now, really. You can't just be suspended for just two months. And I, I get it, unfortunately, that this happens around a lot of football programs. We forget LSU; they had a serious problem going on. The last, uh, under Ed Orgeron, even before Ed Orgeron, uh, Les Miles was doing some weird stuff in terms of his hiring practices and just how he would act inappropriately around certain female uh, employees or whatnot. Same with, 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 uh, and, and with Ed Orgeron, he had players like uh, Darius Geis who practically sexually assaulted an elderly woman and just got a slap on the wrist. And all LSU, I don't even know if they got punished for that really. Like Penn State with, with the whole situation involving Micah Parsons, that is, is 
just got, I mean, everyone's just forgotten about that, I guess. Guys, I mean, he's, he's playing great in the NFL, but everyone's just, I guess, whatever. Penn State didn't even get, like, a notice or anything over that. Uh, uh, this stuff happens a lot, more than people think it does. Georgia recently, with the, the what the uh, recruit was alleged of doing on his recruiting trip recently, like, a lot of stuff, a lot of this unfortunately happens beneath, like, a lot more than you would think. And they get my scot-free, so I guess a lot of these guys are like, hey, these guys get nothing done to them for this, so why are we? That doesn't make it any better, <laughs> honestly, it makes it, it doesn't make it any better at all. What aboutism never works. At least to me, it doesn't. So, like, yeah, I personally think Pat Fitzgerald, looking at this stuff, he should be fired. Do I think he'll be fired? I don't know, honestly. Stuff like this has been going on with football programs for years, and, and no one seemed to care. Enough to last longer than a few weeks on it, honestly. So I would, I would not be surprised that Northwestern, or the people up top of Northwestern would just wait for it to, 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 to go away or whatever, or for people to go to another topic and just leave it at that. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens because that's happened to literally all these other schools I just stated. But, you know, maybe that's just me being disillusioned a little when it comes to, to punishing college teams or sports in general when it comes to stuff like this because it hardly ever goes that way. But, who knows? Like, like Patrick show to this football pro- program, historically speaking, Northwestern... Coaching-wise, you could say, like, yeah, Northwestern on paper should not be getting more than four wins a game a game every year, honestly. So for them to have success like they've had under him, and that still doesn't warrant this. He still should be fired. Like, Joe Paterno, I mean, he's literally was a legend. He got fired, and rightfully so. Well, not fired, but forced to resign practically, and rightfully so. And it has been completely blackballed, and rightfully so. Who cares that he's the greatest coach this program's ever had and the greatest player this program's ever had, which he is, with certainty. I don't care. He should be let go. But because of those things, I don't know if he will. So that's just what I'm thinking. Uh, it, it, yeah. But, like, more stuff's coming out now. It's becoming more obvious. The more this keeps up, though, and the more people talk about it, well, that's the, good, the good thing is that the more this keeps up, the more people talk about it the more pressure it'll build. The reason why Baylor was the one lone exception to the rule when it comes to this whole thing, in terms of like actually getting proper punishment for this stuff, is that they kept it going. It stayed in the news. It didn't die out. Like, LSU, it died out. Penn State, I don't even know if it even cracked the surface, really, honestly. Like, other, other schools that do this stuff, it dies out. So maybe with Northwestern, maybe they'll finally keep it going. And this is all thanks to the kids at the Daily Northwestern. Like, they're killing it. So, keep it up, the good work, what they're doing there. And you'll keep the story going and just keep the spotlight on this. And hopefully, it just, it's like, most likely this is all true. Let come on. Obviously, the evidence is right there. Then, then, Patrick Shield will be gone, quite frankly. Now on to less, less serious stuff uh, that happened over the weekend. I watched AEW Collision again. It was awesome. And I, I, I saw the last ratings for AEW Collision, and, and yeah, it's a Saturday night. It, look, 
This is what happens. Like, like, how much programming is really getting good ratings in general these days? I saw one day when apparently the highest rated show was at a point three five whatever on basic cable. And to go back on like what this all means, what I'm talking about, because you probably don't even know what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, TV ratings have been a thing forever. Like the main demographic has always been males 18 to 49. So, if you get to a certain level or, or you're ranked in the top 10, whatever, or well, it depends on like what the programming is. But if you ranked high enough or you're doing good enough, then your show's doing a okay. So, like in the past, this stuff used to be high, high. Like the top stuff, we get like ones or twos, threes, fours, 4.0s. So, it's just like that, right? Now, the highest thing, like I said, got a, not a 1.0, not a 2.0, a 0.34. That's how little people watch TV these days. Or at least live. On TV. On basic cable. Not regular cable, not cable like ESPN or, or Fox Sports 1. Basic cable like ABC and NBC. So, like, TV in general has just been down heavily these last few year, few years at this point, honestly. Streaming is just gut into TV, and it's going to continue to gut into TV more and more each year. So this isn't going to get any better. So, like, yeah, it, that rating being that low that they got, it is what it is. I think they'll have a much higher rating now for that last episode and I think the episode coming up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of big things happening. But, yeah, I watched AEW Collision, and first off, I thought it was a really good episode. Unfortunately, what happens with the women, but I know, I understand they've had a lot of injuries for the AEW on the women's side. They probably didn't want to take anything out of, out of caution, and it's going to wait for another episode to make sure everyone's fully healed. So I understand that. And they, they did the best they could with the situation at hand, with how little time they were given. So, yeah. But, with, with overall, it was a good episode. Really good episode. And the one match that really stood out to me. First off, two matches. Small Joe and CM Punk, more than 20 years later, and they can still kill it like that is crazy. I I remember back in the day when I used to watch WWE back like when I was a kid. And like whenever I saw people like Ric Flair, like some of the older guys in their 40s, they could not move like that. And it's crazy how many wrestlers now in their 40s and even 50s can still move really well. It's a, it's a combination of just treating the wrestlers better these days and in better conditioning and just overall sports science is a lot better now so like people can age a lot better and last a lot longer so yeah still it was amazing to see how good CM Punk and Samoa Joe can move in the ring like that and they still had a great match and awesome ending but the main match for me was obviously FTR versus uh, Juice Robinson and, 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 and Jay White that was amazing like how I don't know why, but it felt like how little, the, how small the crowd was, but how loud they were, and how the, how dark the lighting was, and all the the quick almost three counts that weren't three counts. It felt like in, in Nigel McGuinness, Nigel McGuinness uh, commentating. It felt like a classic WWE NXT black and gold era type of match, like a, a peak one. Like we're talking about like twenty. 14 to, to 2018 yeah it was awesome and it just felt like that was 
that might have been tag team match of the year. I think it was. That's how good it was. So yeah, Collision is still doing really good. And then A and Dynamite, AEW Dynamite is still doing good. It doesn't feel like a B show. None of them you know, Rampage was good. I liked Rampage. And we, now Wembley's got even more uh seating for all in in August. Wembley Stadium. They now have what? They stated over seventy thousand tickets sold straight up. Not including some extra tickets or whatever. So overall it's probably I don't know, maybe pushing about 77,000 now overall, or 78,000, which is great. Like, the record, I believe, like I said before, is in the, the at the most, 84K. That's Again, like I said before, uh, a company that's less than half a decade old having the highest attended wrestling event of all time is remarkable. Over every WrestleMania. Including the one in AT&T Stadium, Jerry World. And uh, now, sticking with, with uh, the, the big overall weekend of sports we had. Going back to sports. Uh, combat sports. Boxing. Jerron Boots Ennis. This man is special. Like, he's... I think he might be the best overall of the youth group that we have right now in boxing. He's up there. I think he's at worst top two or three. At worst top three. At very worst. That's how good he is. He's generational. And Philadelphia has a long history of great boxers, so not surprised, but still. Like, this man's special. What he did to, to Roman Vila, first off, I feel like that fight probably should have ended a little sooner than it did. That was brutal. He Vila's a very, that's a tough boxer. Because he was getting this smashed. Like, he was, it was like a punching bag. For every round. But he just kept going forward. It's crazy. But uh, yeah. Like he was getting hit pretty hard. And without. With little defense. Especially towards the end. That probably should have. Probably should have ended two rounds earlier honestly. But still. Like that uh, KO. He's never been KO before. And for a boost. It's just to KO him like that. In the 10th round. So. Yeah. Overall again. Like. It was concerning a little. Because you know. Probably should have ended earlier. But back to boost. Boots Ennis. I mean. He's a monster. This dude's special. Like, his defense, his quickness, that was crazy. It was something, there's like a scene, a, a sequence here, and like, I forgot which round it was, but like, he moved at, in slow motion practically. Like, literally, he was like joking around in slow motion and still managed to hit the dude while getting, while avoiding getting hit himself. Like the Matrix or something. So like, yeah, this, this guy's special. He's the next big deal, I think. And, uh, well, he's going to be proven. He's going he's to prove himself to be the next big deal because apparently uh, he's in line to face the winner of Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr., which I'm hyped up about. The, the first uh, Road 2 or whatever that they have for Showtime in, regarding, in regards to that fight happened. It was great. I'm really, yeah, this is my fight of the year in any combat sport. I've been hyped for this for years now. Actually, all boxing fans, and combat sports fans in general, have been hyped up for at least three years at this point for this fight. Like, the two best welterweights of their generation, practically, going up against each other. I think Terrence Crawford is the best boxer of this generation. So, I think he'll beat Spence, personally. I think it'll be a very good fight, and on paper it's going to be classic, but... 
I have full confidence that Crawford's going to win. And I have full confidence to beat anyone, including Ennis. But as it, 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 like I said, just being competitive and having a war with Crawford is all you deceive with Ennis. Or whoever wins that fight between Spence and Crawford. But if that's the next fight, boxing's looking good again. Honestly, though, boxing's been pretty good this year overall. It's just been, at times, sketchy judging, you know, and, 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 and freak show celebrity boxing fights. But honestly, that's been a thing going on in all combat sports for, all what, more than a century at this point. Heck, combat sports in general, at least in modern times, were had connections to, what, the circus? And had, like, pro wrestling had origins involved with combat sports for since the beginning of modern, like, combat sports? Yeah. So, like, like this has been a thing forever. Yeah, boxing's in good shape to me. I will say this, though. Tyson Fury better face Usyk from Ukraine and not Francis Ngannou, come on. Speaking of Francis Ngannou, Mixed Martial Arts also had a big weekend. UFC 290. Uh, first off, I want to say Trump being there, you like, but that's that's been happening for a while now. That they had Rod, they they had DeSantis there during one of the Florida UFC pay per views. They it's, it's you know, Dana White, you know, I'm not a big fan of Dana White. I love Mixed Martial Arts. I'm not a big fan of, of Thumbs trying to make it, trying to force certain political beliefs, if you catch my drift. Like, Donald Trump being there, it it's funny because Danny White will say, like, for certain things, like, oh, you shouldn't polit politicize mixed martial arts or sports, keep politics out of sports, but then you, you literally bring in Donald Trump out the blue when no one's asking for him for every single UFC pay-per-view at this point. Or Donald Trump Jr., or or DeSantis or, or whoever. Like like don't don't be full of crap. But then against Danny White, he's always kind of full of crap. So yeah, it is what it is, I guess, at this point. Uh I would say one more positive note with in terms of UFC two ninety, it was a phenomenal show. It's honestly the best UFC show they put out in a very long time. It's been kind of not dead this year, but the cards have been real. Yeah, on paper, yeah, they've been kind of dead this year. Yeah, for, for Especially for their standards. So, it was great to see it actually, like, really entertaining overall card. From top to bottom, it was insane, honestly. Uh, Robbie Lawler, though, that was awesome. Uh, he's been on... It's unfortunate to see because he's a very fun and entertaining fighter. But, yeah, he's taken some L's lately because he's getting older. It's, it, it is what it is. But to see him go out like that, to the in a KO in the first round within seconds, and then how emotional it was at the, at the end. It, that was awesome. Yeah, they're happy for him. He's a great fighter and overall likable dude. Uh, Bo Nickel, I get. He's the real deal. I know that the guy he faced. Yeah, and it's unfortunate for him because the guy he faced. Uh, uh, he came at the last second. Had to. Uh, I don't even know if he's even signed UFC. Honestly, I. Biggest uh, betting discrepancy for a fight. Is it UFC history or up there? Uh, at least for, for a pay-per-view, I think it might be. Uh, I, I hope he gets signed to UFC because, like, the guy didn't even have a team with him. He was just by himself. But yeah, Bo Nickel, though, he's a wrestler and he KO'd him. First round. Okay. So he's got some punching power. Good. I think he'll he'll transition well into into UFC. I I know that he's not has a face top in competition yet, obviously, but I think he'll 
I think what they're doing with him is the right thing to do. But yeah, I was super high on him. Uh, Deplasis, that was unfortunate. I really like Robert Whitaker. I've been a huge fan of him. He's not, he, he's an entertaining fighter. And unlike a lot of UFC fighters and mixed martial arts fighters in general, he's not problematic. He doesn't have any weird views. He's just a cool dude, honestly. So it's unfortunate to see him get TKO'd like that. That was not, ugh. And of all people, to Tadrikas to, to Places, I don't even want to pronounce his name right. This dude from South Africa. It's a very deep backstory. Pretty much like he's a guy who's a white South African who, who's been saying like, he's been personally calling out certain African fighters like uh, Usman and, 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 and Adesanya and saying like they're not actually African because Usman's what lived most of his life in Nebraska, I think, and in Adesanya in New Zealand, so yeah, but they represent their Nigerian culture, which have every right to do, obviously. It's, that's crazy to say they're not real Africans. Neplasis is, is a white South African because he's born and raised in, in South Africa. It's like, I'm an actual real African. What, like, yeah, it's, it's stupid. But like, he's next in line for, out of all people, issue Adesanya. It's crazy. But yeah, like, that was a crazy confrontation. Uh, Okay, uh, the build-up for this will be, oh boy, uh, I'll just say this. From a personal standpoint, I hope Izzy round one KOs. Alright, next topic, uh, Marino and Pantoja. Should there be a fourth fight? Yes. Pantoja, that was an amazing fight, first off. And I'm fine with Pandoja winning. Uh, Marino's going to have four, uh, a two four-fight series in his, in his career. Almost ba- practically back-to-back. All right. I mean, he's he's already a legend, honestly. So, And, and Pandoja's a legend, honestly, I think. And seeing... I, I, I heard something back to Dana White. Pandoja was working, what, at Uber Eats? They said he was driving Uber Eats, what, almost two fights ago or whatnot? And then finally got a 50k bonus? He's been a top 10 fighter since 2019. Why in the world was he working at Uber Eats while fighting in the UFC for that long? And at that high level. Come on, Dana White. Your, your fighters are as famous as a lot of boxers. They should be paid like that. Mace Marshall, it's primarily the UFC has a really big problem with not paying fighters. And like we talked about how like, oh, boxers don't try to go into, into mixed martial arts and whatnot. Boxers don't try to go into mixed martial arts because of practicality. I think a lot of, a lot of times. Because, like, you could say, like, oh, well, they got to learn ground game. Well, wrestlers got to learn stand-up. I'm pretty sure wrestlers have the opportunity to, instead of learning stand-up, stay with wrestling and get paid way more. If they did wrestling, they stick with wrestling. Boxers get paid a lot more to box. So why get paid less in order to do more? Especially in this capitalistic society? Doesn't really make much sense, honestly, on paper, does it? So, yeah, if you want to get more boxers involved or you want to get involved in boxing, Dana, you got to open up your, 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 your pockets a little. And what can you say about Volkanovski? I mean, at this point, I understand why John Jones is number one pound for pound right now because for him to go into heavyweight, gain all that weight, and just demolish with ease, and if he can, if he can showcase... This skill set against uh, Stipe Miocic and dominate him too, then honestly, he's 
unbeatable at heavyweight division. Because it's like the whole thing with Tyson Fury. And like even the thing with Muhammad Ali back, Muhammad Ali back in the day. If you're the heavyweight division in any combat sport in, in martial art is usually the less skilled division. Because you can just rely on size, power, strength. Because you're big and there's an unlimited weight limit for the most part. Right? So a lot of the dudes in the heavyweight division are slower. There's bigger and stronger and more powerful. Let's go with that. So we have a guy who's as skilled as like a welterweight or like a middleweight in there. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like two different universes. Like there's a whole different level to this. Tyson Fury dominates a lot of the heavyweight division because he's just way more skilled and way better at defense than any of the than almost any of the heavyweights at all. Period. Can even dream of being. Same with John Jones. If he's as skilled as he was, like he keeps that skill going up to heavyweight division and is as like physically able to handle it, no one's touching him. No one. He'll just dominate them even more, honestly, because he's way more skilled than them now. So, yeah, like, I, that's why I understand why he's number one power found. But, man, Volkanovski, what he's been doing for the last several years now, his, like, and not being off schedule, he hasn't done dumb things, uh, like, outside the, the octagon that have led to him being out or taking steroids or at least, you know, failed drug test or committed crimes like he's just done his job and done it well and this is a guy who didn't get into martial arts till he was in his 20s i believe and he used to be a rugby player now he's like the best mixed martial artist in the world not named john jones without question that's crazy like like his story and just how he's gotten there is very remarkable honestly so i like i, I could see why like i gotta say this what he's doing now is outstanding. And he's unstoppable at this point. Like, he's got through everybody. He's already beaten uh, his main rival, uh, Blessed. He's beaten him multiple times now at this point. Like, I don't know if he really go back to that. He, in a way, just did to, to, to Rodriguez. Yaya Rodriguez. This dominant performance. Another dominant performance, honestly, from him. Like, he's just... And he, is there a flaw with him? I don't know. He's a good enough, he's strong as heck. Obviously, he's extremely powerful. He has abnormally long arms for like for his height. He's very short, dude, but he has like 72 inch arms in, or like 70 inch arms. Like crazy, like crazy length, arm length for like his height. He's powerful. He can handle wrestlers because he's so strong. And he's strong enough that he can wrestle himself really well. He's excellent on the feet, obviously. Like, like he's a phenomenal striker. Like, there really isn't a flaw. He doesn't have a glass, glass jaw. He has really good defense all around, both ground game and stand-up defense. Like, yeah, he, he has great stamina. Like, yeah. Like, it is, it's going to be very difficult to, to for anyone to beat him. So, and one thing I did like was that, one thing that I hyped up that I, I hope would happen, and it looks like it's going to happen, is him facing Ilya Teporia. I think this is too early for Teporia, but and I'm glad that's happening. Because... This has been happening a lot recently in, in UFC uh, specifically. The one main thing that Dana White always calls out boxing for, which is like they don't have the hot fighters facing them next. They always try to like slow build it until they're too old whatnot. That have been happening recently with multiple fighters. So like it's a good thing that, that once in a while UFC's back to just 
having the best fighter facing the hottest fighter at the moment. So it'll be Volkanovski versus Ilya Tapura, most likely in the future. Uh, some other things that happened in sports. Victor Wembanyama, the first game he showed flashes, amazing flashes. I thought, uh, yeah, he had some some whiffs, mainly offensively, but overall though, like, yeah, he still showed flashes that this man can be a, a, a monster, and he showed it especially in the, in the second game. Dude is an absolute beast. I will say this though about Victor Wembanyama, even when he's not playing well. He seems to have that presence that you see out of a lot of elite bas- basketball players where just them existing on the court is enough to, deter- to turn the game around. They don't even have to have the ball in their hands. They don't even have to be playing well. But just them being around is enough to, 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 to... I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the other team focusing on them mainly and it gets the other guys better or whatnot. I don't know what it is. But just him being on the court makes the team better. So, uh, th- yeah, like... And the Houston Rockets, another team that the youth look great. Detroit Pistons, another team that the youth look great. Uh, Scoot Henderson, he looked amazing. Him and uh, uh, Ahmed Thompson, both looked outstanding. Uh, I would say like most of these teams are probably gonna stink, stink this uh, upcoming year anyway because they're still super young. But in the future, future looks bright for the NBA. So that's that's nice to see. Uh, Shoyatani, again, I've, I've talked about him, I had a whole, uh, almost a whole episode dedicated to him, how great he has been this year, uh, 32 home runs for the first half of the season. This man's on the fact to have 60 plus home runs this year, while still being like a top five pitcher in all baseball. Like, if this keeps up, he's going to have the best season in, in the history of, of Major League Baseball, honestly, which is crazy. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of history. I don't think people understand how old MLB is, or how old the sport of baseball is. It's like the, out of all of the major sports in this country, it's definitely the oldest. Actually, it might be more, the oldest mainstream sport. Period. Almost is it? I think it might be even older than soccer. Yeah, Major League Baseball has been around like organized wise since like the eighteen forties, if not earlier. So yeah, like him. Actually, yeah, like the eighteen thirties, if not earlier. Actually, like. Him having a season that good is out. Yeah, I I can see him leaving the Angels, especially if they don't make the playoffs this year. They're better, they're getting better, but they still are slightly out of the wild card spot. So, and if he were to go to a big market team like the Yankees, oh man, <laughs> yeah, he could be turned to like a superstar, superstar. And, and the last thing I wanted to talk about that happened over the weekend, obviously, is the uh, I've been hyping this up for a while now, all week. The previous week, uh, you, the USATF Outdoor Championships, uh, and, and the full event happened. It's over with. We got our full Team USA team pending, obviously, the relay members uh, for the Outdoor World Athletic Championships in Budapest, Hungary, I believe in August. So, uh, yeah, I, like I said, uh, I thought, some, most of my predictions were right, but some of them were a little off. I thought Kyle Garland would make the, the decathlon team. Surprisingly, he didn't. It was a really good lineup overall. Harrison Williams was great. You know, so a little bit of a surprise, but it happens. Decathlon is a hard, uh, that and heptathlon, probably to me, are two most difficult events to do in all sports. 
nine events across different disciplines in two days is and for the cast on and seven for the cast on is bonkers and then something I would never even attempt to do honestly <laughs> I used to people would do that in in in, in high school and there was people who were crazy Shakara Richardson awesome honestly like like it, I'm very happy that she's back like it feels like a lot of the stuff that was up was a lot was mental or like way like just like I know how that is a lot of people who've done track know what that is a lot of track is physical but a good chunk of it is mental so like just being focused and then just not having a lot of stuff going on not being stressed out and all that not being nervous and whatnot that all is a big factor so that she's able to get it all together now and and now look she's looking like one of the the, the gold medal favorites definitely a contender for gold and women's 100 women's 200 wow gabby thomas is back you know, last year she had a lot of injuries, and I heard which, which, you know, it happens. People could have slow years. Uh, Abby Steiner and, and and the whole group of women who didn't make, who made the the team last year, none of them made it this year in the women's two hundred. But like I said, they've had slow years this year. It happens. Gabby Thomas is peaking at the right time. A twenty-one six immediately after Sharika Jackson had just gotten a monster twenty-one seven. And I'm correct in the women's 200 in Jamaica in the Jamaican trials. So, for her to just come in like, like less than an hour later in this run at a, a 21 6 and a headwind? Uh, Arian Knighton, a monster. Kenny Benick, again, gets slept on a lot, unfortunately. The man's a multi time medalist. He's medaled in the Olympics and he's medaled in. in in the World Championships last year. So, for him to not be talked about like he's a contender is crazy. Came up when it mattered the most. And again, he's a medal contender. Again, a medal favorite. Uh, I gotta say something, though, about, about Fred Curley. Which is we- it's, it's strange with Fred Curley. Like, his weakness when it comes to 200 is, is, is the turn, right? You would think... A guy who starts out in a quarter mile is a phenomenal quarter mile runner. It is a, a, a phenomenal second half when it comes to, to the 100. Like, usually almost all of those guys who do that are great curve runners. Tyson Gay, Johan Blake, uh, Usain Bolt, Arian Knighton, Noel Lyles. So you would think that Fred Curley would... That, yeah, no, that's his weakness. It's, it's very weird. But, you know, like... He still made the 100. He's still the favorite to win the 100. So, it's all good. I'm not going to talk too much because I talked a lot today. But, I would say overall, entertaining event. Phenomenal event overall. Uh, I would say two stories I want to point out, though. Uh, and in the men's 100. Craybot Charleston. This is a guy who, if, if you know, I've heard of him the last two years. But, like, he was me, like, a, a guy who would be good enough to make a semi- of the 100 and maybe a final but not like be a top three for the u.s he's had a breakout year this year he's if you've been focused on him this year you know he's been winning every race convincingly in sub 10 seconds every single time almost and so he came with it when it mattered most and, and out of nowhere this guy's a new national champion in the men's 100 and honestly he's a legit gold medal contender crazy like like 
It, it reminds me of what Lamont Marcel from Italy did at the Olympics in 2021. Like a guy who gradually got better, and two years later, guy won gold. So I would not be surprised, even though Fred Curley is and should be the favorite in the 100, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy comes in and, and, and shocks the world. And another one I want to talk about in the men's 110-meter hurdles, uh, Cordell Tinch. What a remarkable story. From Division Two, Pittsburgh State. You know, the only time I've ever heard of Pittsburgh State when is when they, I believe, won the national title in football when I was a little kid in Division Two. I thought they were in Pennsylvania. They're in Kansas. So oh, that's that's this is how small the school is. But he out of nowhere, Division Two guy is made a team. This man's been running crazy times in college all year, hasn't gotten recognition, didn't get uh the recognition in NCAAs either. He's getting it now though. So good for him. Deserved. So that's it for my weekend recap. Now it's time for my big time pick. Now I had two that I didn't talk about before. Uh, the Shrek one. I went over that pretty much this episode. I was pretty much, I believe, on point. I haven't got Craven Charleston right. Boom. Uh, as for the UFC, I got every fight except two right. Uh, it is what it is. Still awesome fights though. So, are the two best fights of the whole event. So, still happy about that. Now, on to the big time pick for tonight. For today. Well, that's happening tonight. Uh, I'm going to go with the Home Run Derby. Now, Shoei Tani isn't in this. But it's still a loaded derby anyway. Uh, I'm going to go... I look at the tournament, right? Because it's a tournament this year. With the Home Run Derby. And uh, I'm thinking... Looking at this whole thing, uh, I look at this tournament, right? Uh, I'm going to go with, I think that Mookie Betts faces Pete Alonso in the next round. I think Alonso beats Rodriguez. I think Betts beats Guerrero Jr. I think Robert Jr. and Garcia face off. I'm going to say Betts beats Alonso. I, yeah. Pete Alonso was great last time, but I, I think Betts, I think Mookie Betts, I don't know. I see his his home run stats. Alonso's got great home, home, run, home run stats as well, as he usually does. But I'm going with Betts. I think Betts is going to win the whole thing. I think Betts beats Robert Jr. in, in the final. So yeah, I'm going to do one of the two best players in MLB was home run derby too. Boom. So uh, that's it for today. I'll come back again on Wednesday. And again, like I say, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I talk about comic books, sports, pop culture. You never know what I'll talk about next. Go subscribe. Go follow me on Twitter at, at, at Pulliam underscore Blake. And now I have a Threads account. Boom, look at that. Blake underscore Pulliam1, all lowercase on Threads. So follow that as well. So uh, that's it for today. I'll see you again on Wednesday. Bye, y'all.